Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's edition of Midweek in the Word presented by Faith Bible Church here in Lincoln, Nebraska. My name is Jared Erke and I am pleased to be your host yet again this week. Normally, our adult ministries pastor, Pastor Brad Myers, hosts this podcast and dialogues with our preaching pastor, Pastor Tom Rempel, but Pastor Tom was once again unable to join us today, and when that happens, I get put on active radio duty, which I love, and so it is a pleasure to be back with you this week. I am joined today by Faith Bible Church's preaching pastor, Pastor Brad Myers, and Pastor Brad, it is my honor to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you very much, Jared. Um, happy to be here and looking forward to the opportunity to uh, to handle another week with just the two of us. Yes, sir. We are still in COVID mode, so forgive us if the audio quality isn't the best, but we hope to have uh, better recording <laughs> equipment <laughs> in place when COVID passes us by, right, Brad? There you go. There you go. Yes. Um, if you happen to be new to the podcast, first of all, thanks so much for tuning in and welcome to the journey. This year, Faith Bible Church is embarking on an expedition through the entire Bible. We're calling the series Route 66, Snapshots from Genesis to Revelation. Every sign points to Jesus. Along the trip, we are learning about the character and qualities of God, learning more about who we are as his created mankind, and seeing how the entire Bible ultimately points us to Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Tom preached on the faithful prophet Jeremiah, who turned out to be God's final instrument of warning to his people before their exile to Babylon. So Brad, let's let's jump right into this. In studying Jeremiah, what did we learn about God on Sunday? Yeah, Tom Tom sent me some of his some of his thoughts in relationship to Jeremiah. And in a lot of ways, just just like we saw in or we see in so many of the other Old Testament prophetic books. Um, Jeremiah is very, very similar, uh, where we see especially God's God's sovereignty in creation, how he's warning his people uh, that he's going to send judgment on them in response, and he uses other nations to do that. Um, so God raises up kingdoms, and he he puts down and brings down kingdoms. Um, we also we also just reminded in Jeremiah of God's God's holiness that he's really zealous for his holiness, and and because people call his name, um, he, he's zealous for our holiness as well. And so, and so he, he formed this covenant with the people of Israel and, and expected them to be obedient uh, to the covenant. Uh, and then there's blessings and curses, you know, as we studied in, in Deuteronomy, as we studied in Joshua, all that kind of thing. And so, and so we see he's faithful to his covenant promises, um, even though his people continue to be unfaithful to their covenant promises. Mm-hmm. So what did the study of Jeremiah, I think you already kind of touched on it. What did it reveal about man or us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the prophets, the prophets really kind of, kind of put that punctuation on the end of the old Testament uh, and remind us that, that there was this covenant between God and his people and he gives them chance after chance, after chance, after chance. Um, but the, but mankind, Israel, just like us um, so quickly walks away from the covenant and, and doesn't do, uh, what what they said to God that they would do, you know, isn't continuing to be obedient to God, isn't continuing um, to wholly seek after and wholly worship God, um, and ultimately the all of the Old Testament obviously is is just trying to show that the law reveals 
how desperately sick and deceitful our hearts are. Uh, you know, you think of Jeremiah 17, 9, or that, you know, how deceitful and sick the heart of man is. And so, so Jeremiah really reminds us of, of the condition of our hearts, just like the condition of the people of Israel's hearts, that, that sin and worship of idols is, is at the heart of who we all are in our fallen nature. Mm-hmm. And so how did the study of Jeremiah point us to Christ? Yeah, that's, you know, that, and that's kind of kind of where the whole Old Testament is going. You know, every sign points to Christ. Uh, in spite of people breaking their promises, in spite of the unfaithfulness of, of God's people, and though he does discipline and judge them, you know, and Jeremiah speaks to that as, as, as the nation of Judah falls, um, but it also anticipates uh, a better covenant that's going to come. You know, there's some chapter, you know, 31, 32 in, in the book of Jeremiah that really speak to the new covenant and, and where things are going. Um, and so we saw a lot of pictures in the life of Jeremiah that remind us of Christ, you know, being, being opposed by their family and being threatened by their hometown and, um, and weeping over uh, the shepherdless flock and the coming judgment, um, being beaten and condemned to die, you know, being prisoners and, and ultimately being faithful to the end. Um, so many things in the book of, and, and the book of Jeremiah and then the life of Jeremiah that, that cause us to, to anticipate someone who will ultimately be faithful to the covenant. And that's, that's really what we see in the person and the work of Christ is, is one who is actually going to fulfill the requirements of the law and actually going to bring in the new, better covenant. Mm-hmm. So this week, um, we'd like to explore the writings of Jeremiah a little bit more, but not in the direction that Pastor Tom covered on Sunday. Um, we'd like to focus on Jeremiah's other writings in the Book of Lamentations. I don't know, maybe many of you didn't realize that Jeremiah wrote in the Book of Lamentations. I would be one of those people who didn't realize that. <laughs> there you go. Um, because we see something important there and want to build on a theme we have explored a little bit in the past, and that theme is biblical poetry. So, Brad, can you give us a real brief refresher on this genre? Because I know not all our listeners were with us when we introduced this. So what is biblical poetry, and what are some keys for interpreting it? For those of, for those of you that, that were with us, you'll remember that we invited Pastor Troy uh, to join us for that episode and really appreciated his insight on the genre or literary style of biblical poetry, which obviously finds its way into a lot of the songs we sing here at the church. Um, and so... I'd encourage you to go back and check it out if, if you're interested. Um, but this, this idea of biblical poetry is, is really this, this genre or literary style um, that's, that's meant more to engage, engage the heart through the mind. Um, you know, it's, it's the highly stylized portions of scripture um, that, that reads somewhat, though there are some differences, like the poetry that we know. Uh, this day, you know, there's there's the there's the cadence, there's the repetition, um, there's a lot of there's there's the <clears throat> the the sections, you know, um, that you see in in poetry, and it's it's that style of of writing that's that's highly poetic, that's highly imagery based, that's more emotive and less less uh, maybe academic as we tend to think of it that we that we know as biblical poetry, you know, in the books of Psalms. And in a lot of other books, you know, we're, we're talking Lamentations. Uh, Lamentations is written in a poetic genre. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And some of the keys that we talked about to interpreting it when, when Pastor Troy was on, 
on was was remembering the symbolism and the imagery. You know, there's a lot of metaphor. There's a lot of uh, pictures and things like that that we have to understand. Uh, there's also just just remembering that it's that it's the the meditating on and allowing the words to really sink deeply into our hearts and into our minds. Um, that's key for interpreting biblical poetry. Um, you know, you think of how, how, how in a lot of ways, when you read a narrative or a story, you just kind of read through it from start to end. Um, but with poetry, it's really important to dwell on what you're reading and to think about it and to meditate on it, especially. And then, and then lastly, we briefly introduced the concept of how there's kind of a, a meter of repetition and there's parallels and things like that that we see in biblical poetry and that those are really critical when it comes to interpreting them appropriately. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned parallels, and that's exactly what we are going to focus on more uh, more in depth today. Um, we want to go just more in depth with that and just talk a little more about parallelism in general. So, what do we? What did you? What do you mean by parallelism in poetry? You know, parallelism in in a lot of ways is is to what in modern day poetry is is rhythm and rhyme. You know, when we think of when we think of poetry in our common day, we think of you know meter and you know iambic pentameter and you know I'm, whatever you remember from high school <laughs> English and poetry on all that. But it's the rhythm and it's the rhyme that really kind of carries carries our poetry today. It, in ancient Hebrew poetry, it, it's more about this parallelism or these repeated themes and what we see. So if if I can steal from from one of my um, my, one of my books that I that I really appreciate. It's it's entitled Introduction to Biblical Interpretation uh, by William Klein, Craig Blomberg, and Robert Hubbard. Uh, good resource if you're interested, though a bit of a lengthy read. But I really like his definition that he includes in there. He says, actually, parallelism is that phenomenon whereby two or more successive poetic lines dynamically strengthen, reinforce, and develop each other's thoughts. And so we see we see multiple lines in poetry that that strengthen, reinforce, or develop the thought that's trying to be conveyed by the author of of, of the of the poem, and that, that's really the heart of what parallelism is, and that's really what carries Hebrew poetry along. So why is it so critical to be able to identify this specifically in ancient Hebrew poetry? That's that that really breaks down, um, you know, as I'm speaking to like. Um, the, the, the point that, uh, the ancient author is trying to get across and, and the, the divine author as well through God, through the poem is, is oftentimes, um, bound up in the way those two lines interact. So, so if you've got two lines that are, that are, um, kind of engaging with each other, um, or doing different things. So, so like, uh, Psalm 19, day after day, they pour out speech, night after night, they communicate knowledge, Psalm 19.2 uh, being a prime example of that. The, the point of the text is bound up in the way those two lines interact. And so the, the meaning, the, the principle, the, the point of the passage we're looking at when it's poetic language is really the crux of it is going to be in how the lines are parallel, how they interact. So to identify that parallelism, and figure out what that connection is, is going to give us a window into the real point that the author's trying to develop. 
Okay, so let's say we're reading along and we come across a passage in, like, for example, Lamentations. We realize it's poetry and we identify the parallel lines. So what do we do next? Yeah, so we, so, so we okay, we, we found it. We've said, okay, this is set off. This looks like a poem. Uh, we're ready to go in interpreting. The next step is then to begin examining just what I was talking about, to begin looking at the actual lines within the stanza and say, what are they saying and how do they relate to each other? And really, really identify what type of connection they have. Um, so, so we got two lines, we got three lines, we've looked at them, we've said, I think this is how the two relate to each other. Um, that's the first step once you once you figured out that we're talking about poetry. So just as it, um, what am I saying? As it deals, as we continue to talk more about parallels, what are the different kinds of parallels that we're looking for? Okay, yeah, that's that's where we start to have the rubber meet the road on this discussion, because once we've identified them and once we've begun to look at the, the relationship between the two, it's important to, to figure out what that relationship is. And I'm, I'm going to throw some some terms at our listeners here. And the, the important thing, listeners, is, is not necessarily to remember these terms so much as remember what they're talking about. And so a lot of times we get what's what's called synonymous parallelism or the, the same synonyms. You know, think of that word. And, and what's going on in those is you've got two different lines and the emphasis is in the way those two lines are the same. And so you get kind of a repetition of the same line restated. Um, I think of something like a, a Isaiah, Isaiah 1 verse 10, that says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. And then the second line is, listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. It, basically, what you get is you're getting it almost saying the same thing. There's there's subtle shifts, but it's it's really emphasizing the the commonality between the two parts. So hear the word of the Lord, listen to the instruction of our God, you rulers of Sodom, you people of Gomorrah, and there's this commonality. So what you're you're going to say is you're going to say what's what's the same, what's synonymous between these two. You get you also get a different kind that's called uh, antithetical, or you know you think of antonyms, um, and so. What, what's bound up in that is more the opposite, or it will say things from a different perspective. Um, so, so something like Proverbs 14.28 would say, a large population is a king's splendor, but on the flip side, a shortage of people is a ruler's devastation. And so it looks at the same thing from opposite points of view. You get this antonym, antithetical idea, and, and the point is really wrapped up. In, in what's different about the two. Uh, there's, there's some other types that we could explore a little bit more, you know, some, some that, that kind of the first line states something, the second line explores it or deepens it. Um, there's ones where the first line states it and the second line um, in a lot of ways gives an illustration or, or climaxes this idea. But in a lot of ways, most parallelism, parallelism breaks down into kind of one of those two. It's either, it's either emphasizing how they're the same or emphasizing how they're different, and the point is really found in that relationship between the two. So would you say those two separate emphases, either the commonalities or the differences, are what lead us to the point of the passage? It, it really is. And, and the reason it's so critical to understand what type of parallelism is taking place in any given poetic lines is we can get very much off track if we go the wrong direction on it. 
for instance, at times I've, I've heard people preach or teach on, on poetic passages. And, and it's a poetic passage similar to the one that we've talked about where they're, they're synonym. They're basically saying the same thing. They're synonymous. And instead of, instead of talking about how the two lines are related, uh, the teacher, the preacher will go off on the distinctions between the two. And it's, it's not necessarily meant to do that. Like the point there is, is the, the symmetry or, or what they have in common. And instead we go the opposite direction and we talk about how each line is different and, and it would move us in the wrong direction. Um, so, so yeah, it, it really, it really is a matter of trying to say what, which type is going on here. And that really points us at the direction of what I'm supposed to emphasize. It's, it's interesting that in, in Hebrew literature, there's, there's no punctuation, you know, so you get things that, that strike us as a little bit odd, you know, so Jesus is talking and he says, truly, truly, I say to you this, and we go, why do you say truly twice? Well, there's, there's no exclamation point in, in Hebrew. So they couldn't just put an exclamation point on the end to say this is really, really important. And so instead he repeats. And in a lot of ways, Hebrew poetry steals from that same idea where you get this repetition of themes that's meant to drive the point home and emphasize uh, the point. Uh, one of the illustrations that I think is helpful for this is in a lot of ways, poetry works like binoculars or like our, our eyes even in, in the way we see, where you've got two eyes coming at a point from two different perspectives. And because you get those two perspectives, where they converge is where you get a good picture of the thing you're looking at. You know, so if you close one eye, you lack the depth perception and you don't see the details of what's being emphasized. In a lot of ways, the different lines of poetry are like that, where one line will come at it from this direction, one line will come at it from a similar direction and look at the same point and the dual nature of it really emphasizes what the point of the passage is and what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts you want to share on this topic before we look ahead to Jonah? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I want to I wanna encourage our leaders or listeners. I, I know this, this sounds, um, when, when you put concepts on it and things like that, it sounds really, really daunting to say, how do I break this up? And now I'm all of a sudden, you know, back to high school English doing you know, sentence diagramming. And, and, and all of that isn't necessarily bad. You know, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to sentence diagram, I guess, on some level, though I'm not very good at it myself. Um, but I'd encourage you to just, you know, if you, if you think about these two categories as you're reading poetry, be like, is it reinforcing a point or is it contrasting things to make a point? Um, let that grid, you know, you can get kind of lost in the forest for the sake of the trees um, with something like this. And so don't get, don't get too worried about the details. We've talked about a lot here um, on the podcast this episode, um, but try and keep those major categories in mind and, and embrace the repetition. You know, sometimes the repetition can be um, almost we're like, why do they keep saying the same thing over and over and over again? Like, what is, what is it that they are saying over and over and over again? And let that be the driving force behind how we interpret that passage. So, so I'd encourage, even though it sounds difficult, I'd encourage our listeners, you know, keep it simple. Um, just think through this category as you're, as you're reading through biblical poetry and, and enjoy it. You know, enjoy it for the, the flowery language and the, the way it drives a point home to our heart uh, as you're reading for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again, as always, for your insights on this, Pastor Brad. You're challenging us each week with new terms <laughs> that we've never heard before. <laughs> there we go. Hopefully I haven't lost anyone as we're talking about this stuff. So. No, greatly appreciated. 
Um, let's look ahead to next weekend's message that you, sir, will be preaching. You'll be talking about a pretty familiar character from the Old Testament, the prophet Jonah. So mm. what are so what are you looking forward to most on preaching on Jonah? You know, Jonah is a is a I think a, a really relevant subject for where we find ourselves at today in our in our current culture in our current time. Um, what I love so much about about Jonah is, uh, in a lot of ways, the simplicity of the story. Um, and yet at the same time, it's, it's so masterfully written. Um, my hope is that as we go through it, we can, we can remember uh, kind of what it was like to read the story of Jonah for the first time. And because it, it, has, a, it has a real twist uh, toward the end of the story. And so I'm really looking forward to that um, because I think that's gonna be both encouraging and, and challenging for us as we hear that. And, and the other thing is in, in the story of Jonah, it just so clearly drives at the heart of what Jonah believed about God's grace. And in a lot of ways, what we believe about God's grace and the gospel as well. So I'm really looking forward to making, making that connection um, and helping us see hopefully a greater sense of, of God's grace on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that as well. Um, any interpretive questions that you're especially wrestling with? Mm. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, as, as the the big interpretive principle in 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 the story of Jonah, and we haven't actually touched on it yet in the in the podcast, is is the extensive use of irony, of of making things go a different direction than what we would presuppose as as the readers. And so in a lot of ways, what, what you're wrestling with, what I'm wrestling with in the story of Jonah is that is done intentionally by the author. What is the point he's trying to make uh, through writing this story this way? Because it, it's, it comes at it from a different perspective. Um, but I think if we get a sense for how and why he's using the irony, we'll really get a sense for what the story is all about. So that's, that's I think, the biggest thing I'm, I'm trying to figure out yet. Mm-hmm. And so looking ahead for this week, how can we best prepare our hearts for the message? Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's where I've been living this week is, and is on, on, on kind of what, what does, what does Jonah and, and his reaction to, to God and to the people of Nineveh, what, what does that show me? about the own, the inclinations of my own heart? You know, what does that reveal about my motivations and, and my heart as well? And what I, what I would encourage our listeners um, to be thinking through in anticipation of the message is, is really um, what areas in our own heart, in our own lives, might we be blind to? Um, where, in a lot of ways, uh, have we intellectually accepted the truth of the gospel and grace, but it hasn't quite gotten down into our heart? No, and, and so I think I think that's the that's the big one in the in the story of Jonah. You know, he knew what he needed to know, uh, but but he didn't quite grasp what God's grace was really about. And so I would encourage us all to come, you know, with an open mind and a soft heart, um, asking God to search us. And search our heart, and and reveal where we we aren't 
um, living and acting in accordance with the truth of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Amen. A timely challenge for all of us, for sure. Um, well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Midweek in the Word. Remember, if you're following along with our weekly reading plan, please be sure to read Jonah chapters 1 through 4 for next week. As always, please reach out to us with any questions you might have as you study God's Word. We always love to hear from you. And if you're looking for more information about the church in general, please check out our website at faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or also on Twitter. Our handle is at FBC Lincoln. Also, did you know you can listen to all our Sunday sermons on a podcast feed? Search Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, wherever you get your podcasts, and look for the one that has the black box with the white letters. And there's a lot of Faith Bible Churches out there, but that is us if you want to follow the sermons through podcasts. Um, the church leadership team here wants you to know that they will be praying for you as you take another step on your faith journey this week. And we hope you join us here again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.